If you were to look back on just, just life in general, uh, before we even get out of the womb, we're waiting, okay? If you're, a, um, when, when you're an unborn child, you're waiting to be a part of the world and, and, and outside of your mother's womb. Uh, the, the, the parents and the other family, they're waiting on you to come. When you are a toddler, you're waiting to be able to walk. When you're a young child, you're waiting to be a teenager. When you're a teenager, you can't wait until you are an adult so you don't have to listen to the adults in your house. Uh, and then when you become a young adult, you have things that you're waiting to fall into place. And then the older we get, the more we're waiting as maybe middle-agers on not having to work near as hard, near as much, and we, we would like to, to, to look forward to when we have maybe less responsibility, maybe less stress on us, even though every season has its, its stresses. And then, then you've got uh, a person that, that, as you reach senior age, and this doesn't just apply to, to seniors, but, but plenty of seniors, you're going, hey, you know what? I, I can't wait till the day that I'm no longer dealing with um, body aches and heartache. Uh, because as my mom has pointed out to me, the, the, the older you get, the more people you see that you know very, very well that leave this life to go to the next. You have, listen, the longer you live, the trade-off of that is the more you see, the more you experience, the more you've been uh, through. And then when a person gets to the end of their life, whether they're not, not very old or, or whether they're at a very old age, while they're sitting in that bed, maybe on hospice, maybe not, maybe just in the hospital, maybe they don't get much time at all to think about the fact that, hey, you've just got weeks to live. If they're going through a terrible terminal illness, oftentimes in Christ, they're waiting for ultimate healing. They're waiting to be relieved of where they are so they can get where they would like to go. Oftentimes, we are waiting on something, and I also want to say this to you, it's not just that we're waiting on God. Plenty of times God is waiting on us. It's both. I want to share with you today seven things that I've learned through some uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, and, and, and relational uh, things that I've dealt with in life, and how I learned and why I learned that I will always wait on God. How many of you know that God's got to take you through the boot camp before you can coach others, okay? So before you can take somebody somewhere, you have to be headed there yourself. Before you know how to take them somewhere, you have to have maybe experienced it yourself and know that, hey, here's why I'm waiting on God. I want to start out with, with this one. Number one, God always has a reason for the season, God always has a reason for the season. Now, listen, that's very easy to give lip service to until you're the person who feels like you're um, in the corner, like you're in timeout, like God must be mad with you, like God must, must really, really um, feel like you need to have a lot of things changed and you feel just, just kind of headlocked. It's easy to say when you're not waiting that, oh, God's got a reason for everything. Listen, it's easier for me to tell somebody that when they're looking to have to deal with something or say goodbye to someone or whatever, it's much easier to say than to totally believe that God's got a reason in your season. There's a man named Jonah that most of you probably heard about before that um, is the only person I know personally or read about personally that, that, that 
was in the belly of a whale for three days and lived to tell about it. And there's a reason Jonah was in that whale. God told him to do something. He refused to do it. He knew God was telling him to do something. He refused to do it. He did not want to align with what God would have him to do. He's like, listen, I'll do anything, but I won't do that. So God had to allow him to be put in time out so that he could see that, that, that he's the reason for every season. Look at what Scripture says in Jonah 1.14. It says, O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Listen, when you believe that the season you're in has a reason in God's divine scheme of things, it no longer feels like an accident. It's a divine appointment. And even the mistakes that you feel you've made or situations you've been thrust into and, 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 and heartache that you've experienced, with God, none of it takes him by surprise. Listen, there's two things for certain. We know birth and death. Those are certain. But there are tons of certainties when God's looking out on things uh, in the grander scope of life that you can't see. You did not see it coming, but God was not taken by surprise. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. There is nothing that God plans or orchestrates that he does not plan to use for a purpose. Don't look at anything. Listen, you know the worst pain? Wasted pain. The worst pain is the pains that you go, I went through all of that and for what? Well, you can't find the what unless you're willing to trust God with the what. And wait as God unveils his, uh, his greater vision for things. But secondly, I'm waiting on God because God's timing is always better than mine. God's timing is always better than mine. The reason it's very easy for me, I didn't say completely comfortable to me. The reason it's very easy for me to stop on a dime and let God pretty much direct me anytime. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Only thing I think that sometimes... Um, uh, has ever separated some successes I've experienced that, that, that some of my even friends um, have not experienced is I'm willing to let God lead me anytime, anywhere, okay? That doesn't mean I'm so special. What that really means is I've found out that, that, that his timing is better than mine, that whatever he wants is what I want because it's what will really matter in the end. And ultimately, it will lead to better, not just an enduring, hopeful, could this be better? Look at Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to end. You need to understand that from an eternal perspective, you can't see. You can't see like God sees. You see from the floor seat, God sees from the sky seat. Why would you trust your gut when all you can see is the step in front of you? All you can see is what's happened to you or what didn't happen to you. Yet God's going, listen, not only do I know where you've been, because maybe, maybe some of you feel like there's nobody else in your life anymore that totally understands what you've been through. God does. God knows everything you've been through. God knows everything you're going through. God knows everything ahead. So why not trust in his timing since, listen, God's got the ultimate GPS, some of you need to get in tune to that. Let his word, let his Holy Spirit, let it be your GPS. 
Just like you let that GPS guide you to the next right turn, let God lead you to the next right step and trust that step because it's secure. That's where you get the confidence. Listen, God's ways, the scriptures say, are, are just leagues higher than ours. Look at Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, how often do we just shake our head over a situation, whether it be concerns with our children, concerns with our marriage, concerns with this thing or that thing. We have to trust that, listen, God has the blueprint. No matter what's to come, in 2021 or 2022 or 2041, God has a plan. There, you can have confidence when you're resting in God's timing and in God's certainty. And you're walking in step. Listen, you can't walk in step. I want you to write this down. You cannot walk in step with God without learning how to wait on God. It's not going to happen. That's the difference maker for plenty of people. Plenty of people will start waiting and then quit waiting. They're like... Well, Pastor, I tried that fully surrender thing. I'm telling you right now, I did it for two weeks solid. Didn't see nothing happen. That's because you thought it was an event instead of a lifestyle. That's because you wanted what God had, uh, what God could give you. You weren't willing to give God you. That's the difference maker. That's what separates the, the, the counterfeit from the real is are you walking with God? If you want to walk with God, you got to trust God. you got to wait on God, and you got to go, God, I know you know exactly how things should be, and your timing is perfect. When God tells you not to say something, what, what, what should you do? you got to wait it out. It's not time. But also, listen, it's the other way. Sometimes we run ahead of God, and then sometimes we completely procrastinate, and we know God's already said, you need to do this. By the way, that's the easiest stuff to deal with. Listen, you got to, with everything past, present, and future, either you trust God's timing or you go with yours. Either you go with your gut or you go with your guide. But number three, I'm trusting and I'm waiting on God because this is where my faith takes flight. This is when my faith takes flight. Listen, there's only one thing I know that can overcome your greatest fears, and that's greater faith, Okay. So sometimes God has to allow us to go through a valley so that he can continue to build us or rebuild us. That's God calling right there. Any of you answering? Got a scripture for that, actually. You'll hear it in a moment. You need to understand that the reason you can get excited, if you know that you are seeking God with the right intent and heart, you can get excited, see? You can get excited that God is doing something greater in your life when it comes to your faith. Because listen, the number one thing that develops faith is trials. Okay? So most of the time, we label most any trial as a barrier. God sees it as a bridge. We see it as something that, 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 that just wants to make us turn into having road rage, and he's going, listen, no, I don't want to make it a road ramp. We see it as just a problem, and he sees it as a key link to get you from where you are to where he needs you to be. I preach a lot of funerals, and even though I've done hundreds and hundreds, even when I was preaching a funeral yesterday, every time I go to do a funeral, while I never um, look forward to anyone's funeral, 
it speaks to me. I'm the preacher, but it speaks to me. It speaks to me that I'm not in control. It speaks to me that, hey, it's in the dire situations that we are more dialed in. Listen, here, here's, here's why your faith takes flight. God's got more of your attention. You, you reach the end of yourself because you can't control things. And when you get desperate enough, prayer won't be your last resort. It'll be your first response. Okay? You, you, you know, by the way, you can put an asterisk by this, write it down. You know that you're not waiting on God when you're no longer praying about the things that you're worrying about. You're not worrying about God. You're not wait, waiting on God. You're worried about things. There's a difference in worrying about things and praying about things. We've all been guilty of getting worked up and worried, and yet we hadn't prayed. But for every second that we worried, you know, we prayed a, a millisecond, if that. Your faith takes flight, Scripture says, over and over again, under fire. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version for, for better understanding. It says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience. How many of you know you can't give experience? All you can do is have experience. It says, Produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. If you want God to, to um, elevate your faith, welcome the trials. I didn't say you had to like them. Welcome the trials because that's his boot camp. It says, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith Lacking in nothing. Just like an unborn child has to get completely developed before it is a healthy pregnancy, it's the same way with us. When you want out of a waiting season that you need to be in, you are running outside of God's will. You're not going to be happy with the end result because God was trying to do a thorough work in you in this season so that you would be the healthiest in the next season. And when you don't wait on God, what happens is this. Things just build up and build up and build up and build up because you weren't trusting God all on those steps. Some of us, we have to just let God repurpose the steps we've not taken. And from this point forward, say, God, from this moment forward, I will walk in step with you. I mean, if there's anything, if you've lived long on this planet of, of full of trials and tribulations, you should already know by now you don't have enough in you. You can't hold yourself together. You can't make everything just happen. You can't trust in just your inner gut. You, you, the only one you can trust is a never-changing God in your ever-changing situations. And, and listen, for people who went through COVID and they're still seeing things the same, I just say, you, you missed the memo. I'm sorry that you have wasted pain because I'm telling you, that's what's going to pole vault this church forward. And by the way, the greatest breakthrough around you begins with the breakthrough in you. Quit, quit praying just for other people to change. You need to understand the greatest breakthrough in your life in your parenting, in your marriage, in your situations, or whatever. It happens in you first. You need to let God take you. You can't control what other people do. Some of you are like me, a control freak, okay? So you want to control things, and yet sometimes God shatters our, um, our confidence in ourselves to do that. 
Um, I, I've always been amazed at the things that, that, um, that it took me taking my hands off to see that when God has his hands on it, it does way more than I could do. But fourthly, I've realized that I want to wait on God because God is doing more, not doing less. God is, is not doing less, but he's usually doing more. You know why? Because in the waiting, you're in the workshop. My dad um, ran a business called Little Country Tree Service that, that years later, my, my younger brother took over. And my dad's one of the hardest working people you're ever going to find. Again, he, as, as, as he would say himself, I'm running circles around you. And he did, you know. He might still keep running circles. I don't necessarily care to always run in a circle, okay. But dad worked hard, and, and dad would just stay steadfast on things. And, but sometimes dad would have so much equipment down that he needed to stop for a couple of days of work. He kept the operation a lot smaller than what my, my brother does now with a lot of workers. He, had to, he, he would have to go into the workshop. And my dad pretty much knew how to work on anything, whether it's his dump truck, his bucket truck, or our stump grinder or whatever. And so my dad would be in the workshop, and, and one would think to themselves, well, hey, you know what? You're missing out on all this work. But guess what? Guess what? If, you don't, if he didn't go into the workshop, if he didn't go into the workshop and get everything working better, you can't go do any work. You can't go do any work. You need to quit resisting the workshop when all God's trying to do is work on you and for you. He's, he, listen, thank God for the waiting period. Let God have your full attention and understand that it's of no less value. In fact, getting what God wants you to get in this waiting period may be the difference between a nervous breakdown and not between you ever reaching your hopes and dreams and not. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Listen, your limitations do not dictate God's expectations. God is not limited by your situation. In fact, I've often found the more I decrease, the more things just grow like wildfire. You've got to let God lead you. You've got to know that God is working in you. And sometimes it's the times that you are resisting the most that God is, is trying to do the most. Bible says this, that from the moment that you um, profess Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And that Spirit begins the spiritual work in you. And it continues that work until you draw your last breath. None of us will ever arrive in our spiritual maturity. But listen to this. You should be further along this week than you were last week. You should be further along this year than you were last year because you've seen enough to know better. As I say, some of you, you listen, you know enough to be dangerous. You just hadn't given it all to God and let him use it in a dangerously powerful way. Look at what Philippians 1, 6 says. It says, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you, he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What about the things that just don't look too good? Well, God has a plan for those things too. 
Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything, even that thing you're thinking about, that mistake, that mishap, that, that hindrance, that, that barrier, the thing that you feel like is ruining everything. It says God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, I'm going to give a little bit of my own interpretation because I believe it lines up with God's word, and that's this. You can't see things repurposed when you aren't seeking his purpose. When all you want is his blessing, but you're not willing to believe and trust him and follow him, do not expect the good stuff. The God stuff comes. The only way that God repurposes something is you begin from this moment forward to seek his purpose, to seek his plan and say, God, use the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life. And when you do that, listen, no longer is it wasted pain. The worst pain is wasted pain. The worst thing that could ever happen in your life is for you to have gone through all that you've gone through and still be the same. I never walk to this church any time. I hope you know it. I never come here on any Sunday just thinking God might work. I come hoping and knowing God will work. I keep comparing it to, I said, you know, just like it's a big deal for a hunter out there for deer to see an 18-point buck. Listen, we see in 21-point bucks around here. We are seeing miracles constantly. There are people coming to know Christ. There are people coming back to Christ. There are people who are finding a newfound purpose, and it's exciting. It's the reason we do what we do. I told you before, if you want to start a country club, you go to some other church. But around here, everybody matters. Everybody's somebody. Everybody has a purpose. We are dead set on the people that don't know what most of us do know. I had a lady one time ask me. She was on the second row. She said, um... She said, so let me get this straight. She said, based on the fact that you said something about, hey, you know what, if you've been with us quite a while and we run out of seats, um, make sure you give up your seats to anybody who might be with us for the first time or not quite know our vision. She said, it sounds like you're, you're, you're more focused on them than us. And it might sound wrong when I say this. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because the last time I checked, the soul that is lost, bound for hell, that is more urgent than anything else. That's more urgent than you painting your toenails and your fingernails or wondering about what color the carpet is in the church. The day that we don't, we don't remember there's people out there for us to reach and there's people who don't know how to find God's purpose and so they don't have God's peace is the day that this church will regress. We grow because we go. There's a lot happens from a Monday through a Sunday that you don't even know. I mean constant. It is not, it is not um, normal for anybody to walk into our church that seeds hadn't already been planted a long time. We're just constantly throwing out the seed. Sometimes it, it, it holds. Sometimes it doesn't, doesn't seem to sprout anything. We just keep tilling because it's not our job to produce the results. It's our job to be faithful to the work. And the greatest work, listen, the greatest work happens in you. Then it can happen through you. Sometimes you're getting ahead of yourself. You want to run out there and try to save the world, and God's going, listen, I want to save your soul, and I want to rearrange your life, and I want you to start walking with me, because if you walk with me, I'll always work through you. But number five, I'm waiting on God because I, I may feel weaker, but God is making me stronger. I may feel weaker, but God is making me stronger. Depending on what you're going through, when you're in a really deep valley and you're somewhere you've never been before, you feel extremely vulnerable. You feel sensitive, you feel weak, and often you, you feel weaker 
you know, your greatest weakness usually is the, the weakness to staring you in the face. Um, I, one thing I know for sure, I am, I am uh, as, as most of you know, I sit down to preach because of, 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 of my uh, nerve damage through two-thirds of my body and, and my back and this. And if I stood up to preach two, two services each Sunday, I mean for days, for days it, could, it, it would impact me. So I gave up that, and I learned how to be strong sitting on my butt. Okay? There was a time where I remember I was like, God, I can't pray with no strength from here. I, trust me when I tell you, I can preach with strength from right here. I can lay down on the floor if I need to. If I thought that would work better, I would, by the way. This would seem weird, wouldn't it? But I want you to hear me. I'm not weaker than I've ever been before. I'm stronger than I've ever been before. And what I have to thank for that is three surgeries. It's four years spending most of the time laying flat on my back, only able to show up and preach on Sundays, wondering, God, when am I going to get out of this? Am I going to get through this? Am I going to get past this? God, what am I going to do? Uh, my dad one time, he, he said, um, he, he was, when my dad was at the beginning of his cancer journey and he really realized where it took him after 45 or so years in the ministry, one of the most heartbreaking things was um, two weeks before the COVID shutdown, uh, my dad resigned from his church um, knowing that he couldn't, he couldn't carry out his, his ministry duties anymore and needed to focus on, on, on um, uh, chemo. But my dad said something about, he said, um, I, I, he was... He was talking about some things he had to get done. And I said, well, you need to get so-and-so to do this and so-and-so to do that. He said, well, that's real easy for you to say, Craig, because you, you got a ton of leaders. And I stopped my dad right there in the tracks, and I said, Dad, every leader I have was birthed when I was flat on my back and I needed them. That's, that's, that's when things... It, you ever been demoted so that God could promote the situation? Okay? He had to get me out of the way. He had, he had to give me permission. By the way, used to, the old pastor, he didn't know how to ask you anything. The new pastor, be afraid if you sign up and you say you're on board at this church, okay? Because I wouldn't be afraid to call you because I know your heart's in it, okay? I know your heart's in it. I know you'd do anything you could if it's what God's leading you to do. But the old me only knew how to rest on my strength. Not only did I have to rest on the strength of others, I had to rest on the strength of God and wonder, could I ever, ever keep moving forward? And the answer is yes, because God made me stronger in the workshop and he created a warrior. Okay, you'll be hearing me talk about that for the rest of my life. That is where the good stuff came from was through the toughest stuff of my life. And that will be the story of your life if you don't try to take back the wheel. Listen to Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 in the Amplified Version. He says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become tired or, or grow weary? There is no searching of his understanding. In other words, God, listen, God's not wondering, does he know what's going on or what's to come? It says he gives strength to the weary and to him who has no might, he increases power. Even youth grow weary and tired, and, and vigorous young men stumble badly. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, they will gain new strength and renew their power. That's all I kept to keep resting on. All God told me was this. I still remember it clear as day. I'm thinking I'm at the end of the race that I was going through, and I was only 30 days in. You know how that happens sometimes. You want to think you're already towards the end of that storm, but you're really just at the beginning. I said, God, all I can do is trust that in your weakness, I'm strong. 
and he was empowering me every moment. It says, those who, who wait on him, they will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles, rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Here is why you become stronger through the waiting, because you're meant to come closer, okay? You're meant to come closer. So if you don't come closer to God as a result of him knocking you flat on your butt, you just missed the memo. God was really picking you up and wanting to strengthen you forward. But because you resisted, or if you choose to resist, you'll be worse than you were before because it will just lead you aimlessly. But when you go, God, I hear you, and I'm going to draw close to you, game changer. They will run, not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Listen, sometimes the only strength you have is the strength God gives, but that's when you become stronger because then you are leaning on all of him, not some of him. Some, listen, sometimes I, I can't tell you how many times I kept saying before I finally got to this, this, this season where I, I was saying this for probably the last five years at least. I said, God, when you're done with this, when you're done doing the things you're doing to me and the way you're doing it and what you're allowing, there ain't going to be nothing left of Craig. And it was like a light came on. He's like, well, let me break it to you. That's the point. I, need, I needed you to quit thinking that you control the wheel. I need you to give me the wheel. I called you, but let me lead you. Let me empower you. Listen to what um, God told um, the Apostle Paul who was dealing with some great, great weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. It said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The weakest people I know, it's gonna, this is going to sound wrong, the weakest people I know are the people who haven't yet been able to see their greater weakness. The more you see your greater weakness, you'll find his greater strength. Because when all you've got to do and all you can do is depend on God and you really realize and you say, listen, I'm dependent on him for the next breath, for the next discerning decision, uh, for, for provision, whatever it might be. Listen, I often still get down gingerly at the bottom of my shower. I put my face down in the drain when I really want to make sure God knows that, that, listen, I am completely weak. I am completely weak. Um, I, I didn't sleep much last night. And at the same time, I go, God, it's going to be good. It's going to be good because I'm not leaning on me. You see? I'm not leaning on me. Philippians 4.13, Apostle Paul later, later on says, he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know where he learned that? When he ran out of his strength. You know when you learned that? When you were all out of your strength. Number six, I, I, I'm going to wait on God because I know that I can always trust God. Time and time and time again. I cannot remember any time ever that I've trusted God fully with something where God failed me. Now listen, that doesn't mean God does everything you want him to do. I'm just saying in general. I've never trusted God with anything that I regretted trusting him fully with it. Psalm 33, verse 20 and 22 says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, That is why I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for he has promised. What's one of his promises? He says, I'll never leave nor forsake you. He says, I'm an ever-present help in your every time of need. There's not a need you have that God won't meet. There's not a situation that you're going through that God won't take you through. There's not a burden that you have that you can't rest on his broad shoulders. Notice the psalmist says, he says, I wait expectantly. I want you to hear this. When you are trusting in you or the circumstances, um, your confidence level should be down at the floor. But when you are waiting and walking expectantly with God, you can expect great stuff because you've given him everything. That's where my confidence comes from uh, before you is because I spend all the time that I can and all the ways that I know seeking God, listening for God, trusting God, waiting on God. What's the next right step? Micah 7, 7 said, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. I love to run into people that are in their 90s and, and get a chance to talk with them, and, 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 and especially believers, and just, just see all the high mileage on rough roads they've experienced, and yet um, them just talk uh, consistently about the faithfulness of God in many ways, even in their season of life, seeming way stronger than me in my season of life. And that's a tribute to what they trusted God with. So if you don't trust God with it, it will just hold you hostage. When you trust, listen, when you give God something, it's not on you anymore. When you give God something, it's not on you anymore. It's not, it's not dependent upon you. It's not limited by you. But last but not least... I've learned to wait on God because God is building his platform. God is building his platform. I could preach that sermon before of God's got a reason for the season. I could, I could believe that all I wanted in my heart that, hey, okay, God's going to use this and, 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 and use this as some platform. But to see that happen, I want to tell some of you something. Um, your worst experiences in life are meant to be God's greatest platforms for ministry. Okay, so when you shy away from where you've been and the deepest things you've endured, you are shying away of the good stuff because, you know, that's where people find your weakness and his strength. That's when people realize how you really have been through some stuff. You really haven't had a picture perfect life either, but yet God has been good and God has shown you time and time again how he wanted to use that scar or maybe still that wound it's trying to heal in you as this platform i usually try to do this when i'm trying to help people i try to i try to size people up to to be connected with other people who can really understand them because how many of you know if somebody really hadn't been in your particular shoes or in your type of journey they can't identify with it that's the case for all of us so you you, you know you there's people waiting on you to allow god to use that stuff and repurpose it. And no longer it be pain, but it be heaven's gain. God can use the, 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 my, my brother. I, lo I love the fact that my brother will live the rest of his life going, hey, I'm, I'm just fortunate to be alive. You can overcome that substance abuse 
and you can get through anything with God's help. And even if your family doesn't know what to do for you, and even if you don't know what to do for you, when you humble yourself before the Lord, it's limitless what God can do. And some things you have to see for yourself. And sometimes, listen, God has to take you through the testing so that you have a testimony. All right? John 9, 3 says, This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Over and over in Scripture, when someone um, was allowed to die, when someone was allowed to have um, blindness, when someone was allowed to have um, a certain disease or, or impairment, and then God brought healing, he said, this has happened this way so that the power of God could be revealed through it and to you and I. Listen to Acts 26, 22. It says, but God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone for, from the least to the greatest. I enjoy the fact that every day I wake up, I might not be able to identify with every single pain in this room, but I know deep brokenness. I know what it feels like to feel held hostage. I know what it feels like to have all the answers and yet feel like there's nothing else I have left to give except to give it all to God. And then he resurrected, not me. He resurrected the situation. He resurrected attention on himself. I, I think some of you are going to be amazed at what God's going to do right here through Walterboro, South Carolina. But listen, we can't, do, we can't have the breakthrough until God breaks through in us. He's got to raise up the army before we can go fight together in the war. We got to get healthy before we can be helpful. We got to be in tune to our story and know how to share our God's story. I want to I want to end today with this final passage that I'm going to put up on the screen. You can write this reference down. Just go back and read the entire Psalm 27. I want you to go back and read Psalm 27. I'm going to just read a few scriptures from it. The psalmist says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid?" The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. That's the first memo God gives you. Come and talk with me. Come and pray to me. And my heart responds. This is the part that you've got to control. Lord, I am coming. Are you going to walk out of this place and, and, and hear all of this, but you walk back and you go back to, to, to work in your own life? Are you going to, from this point forward, say, God, when you tell me to wait and when you tell me to go and when you call me to come closer to you, Lord, I'm coming. Verse 9 says, do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Yet, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. And verse 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Listen, you cannot be expectant of God things when you're not trusting God. You cannot be brave and courageous when you're not walking with God. So your God has to be greater than your situation, your circumstance, or your feelings. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I, I just pray that that, that that which you wanted me to share today, God, would be taken as a message from you and just through me. 
God, I pray that each person listening right now, Lord, would realize you are calling them, God. You are letting them go through certain situations, and not because you, you, you don't want good things for them, Lord, but because you want to reveal to them your goodness. You want them to see that you truly are all they need. You want them to know, Lord, that you can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens them. God, you want them to know that they can trust you no matter the season because in every season you have a reason. God, there's some today listening to me right now. They have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And today, Lord, could be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for that person, Lord, that, that wants to believe today, Lord, that they would say, Dear God, Please forgive me of my sin. I believe, God, in your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Lord, who not only was buried, but overcame the grave, therefore overcoming death and sin for me. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord and leader from this point forward. Come into my heart, Lord. Lord, if anyone's prayed that prayer today and genuinely meant it, Lord, you say that they will be saved. They are saved. God, help them to take the next right step. May they let us know about that decision today, or may they let someone else know. Lord, if, if, the, if someone needs to follow through with the believer's baptism in our upcoming river baptism, I pray that they would do so. Lord, and understand the next right step is always the most important step. Well, Lord, for those of us that are in the, in the pit of a situation, we're in a valley, we're in a waiting chamber, Lord, that we are just absolutely, um, Lord, uh, exhausted from. Lord, may, may we allow that exhaustion to lead us to you, to say, I can't, Lord, but I know you can. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place and in each person's life. And Lord, I am confident that you who began a good work in them will continue that work. Lord, there's some people right now, they don't know a whole lot of what they're to do, Lord, but they know this. They know they need to give their heart and life over to you completely. And I pray, Lord, they know that is enough. When you see their heart and you know their heart and they humbly surrender to you and choose to, to, to follow you from this point forward, God, you are gonna, you're going to take them through and you're going to take them to the best that you have for them. We give you all things, God, in Jesus' name. This altar is open as we stand. Uh, you can make your way to this altar or I'm right here available. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you, um, or you can stick around after service. Would you stand with us, please? <laughs>